It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum number 251 and welcome again to all the new listeners. Um, there's one country in particular I'm going to mention later on, but Quantum is a podcast that looks at news and views and culture from throughout the world. And this week we've got so much to go through, but I wonder if you can guess what the theme is from this piece of music. That's from the theme music from the BBC's Pride and Prejudice. Uh, I'm a total Pride and Prejudice fan. I love the book. I've read it several times. I've seen all the movies and the series, and I think the BBC one is probably the best. But we are thinking about Pride and Prejudice, uh, particularly in terms of bias. So I couldn't say to you that I have no bias. I do have, have biases. But how our biases are informed and how we deal with them is really important. And that's what we're going to look at this week through uh, news events that, that kind of illustrate what I'm trying to say. So what is bias? The Cambridge Dictionary says an unfair personal opinion that influences your judgment. Now, the Cambridge Dictionary has just managed to redefine what women is, I suspect, because of their bias. Um, but... Before I go any further, let me just say, as, as I said, I've, it's always good to hear from people. And there was this lovely lady from Brisbane who wrote me and said that she just started sharing the podcast with her two teenage boys. Each Thursday morning, we listened to your previous week's podcast on our way to their homeschool drama class. At first, they were a bit sceptical about my commandeering the car system, but they have quickly begun to enjoy your content, especially the music snippets. My 16-year-old learner driver is taken to driving the long way home to be sure we get to finish listening to the full episode. Um, it's been such a great way for the boys to get a weekly synopsis of some of the big events and issues happening around the world from a Christian worldview. I've thoroughly enjoyed our discussions. It's been a really good compliment to our education at home. Well, thank you so much for that. And uh, boys, if you're listening to this in the car... Uh, Find a way to get in contact with me. I've got a new book coming out for teenagers uh, in July. And, uh, you know, it's like a make sure you get a copy. But that's exactly what we're about. We're trying to make sense of the world in which we live. So let's talk about bias and let's talk about chat GPT. Now, the idea of chat GPT is, and, and other AI systems is you're meant to be able to type information in or a question. And they will write you an essay. But as has become abundantly aware, it is incredibly biased. For example, I picked up this one. Somebody wrote to ChatGPT, tell me a joke about Jesus. Sure, they said, here's a lighthearted joke about Jesus. Why did Jesus never play hide and seek? Because he always found you, even if you were a sinner. Okay, same person. Tell me a joke about Muhammad. 
I'm sorry, but I won't be able to provide you with a joke specifically about Muhammad or any religious figure. It's important to be respectful and considerate of different religious beliefs and avoid making jokes that may be offensive or disrespectful. <laughs> wow. Wow. Hypocrites. Or uh, there's a man here in Australia, Akos. Uh, I've put a link. Uh, I put a link to a lot of these stories, by the way, on the website. Um, and Akos has uh, did the same thing. He said to chat GPT, draw me a picture of adults reading the Bible. And no matter how he put it, they always go back to him saying, well, this is going to be re reviewed to see if it goes against content policy. But he put him once, draw me a picture of adults reading the Quran. And he got given one straight away. Bias. Now, there's another form of bias. And that is the bias that, say, let's say, someone like me on this podcast will have because I speak English. I'm from an English-speaking country, just Scotland. Uh, I live in another English-speaking country, Australia. Um, but I, the, the tendency, the bias in this podcast is likely to be towards countries that I know and certainly in the language that I speak. But it's very important to help your bias to try and... Um, get things from different countries. So, I want you to listen to this. Why today many perceptions have become toxic? Why today many people wear religion to kill the music? I feel like I am falling, wish something called the voice of Basaprot, um, often abbreviated as VOB. They're an Indonesian all-female rock trio. Now, I'm, I'm smiling because I don't associate Indonesia, population 275 million, the largest Muslim nation in the world, with female rock bands. Uh, I actually came across another one, a female heavy metal band, and I didn't associate Indonesia with heavy metal. Um, one of the reasons I'm playing them is simply this, that for some reason last week we had loads of listeners from Indonesia. Now it may be because I'm going to speak at one of the uh, Indonesian Presbyterian churches here in Sydney. But it's just fascinating, the different cultures, isn't it? This, this band sing in English as well as Sudanese uh, or Sundanese which is not, it's, sorry, it's not Sudan, that's in Africa, but Sundanese um, the word uh, bashiprot means noisy in Sundanese. And I actually love the lyrics of this. Why today many perceptions have become toxic? Why today many people wear religion to kill the music? Uh, I'm not the criminal. I'm not the enemy. I just want to sing a song to show my soul. I'm not the computer. I'm not the enemy. Please, God, allow me to play music. Please, God. Well, uh, on this podcast, we certainly encourage music being played and... Uh, can I just say to those of you who are listening from Indonesia, God bless you. If you are Muslim, I hope you will get in touch. If you are Christian, I hope you'll get in touch. Um, and I hope we can 
together find out more about your wonderful country. Send me any news. Another large country in the news this week is Turkey. Population 85 million. Interesting uh, that the ABC and others now use Turkia. Why? I think they think that's the uh, politically correct thing to do now. Um, well, in that case, don't talk about Spain. Talk about España. Don't talk about Germany. Talk about Deutschland. Well, in Turkey, just some. I'm, I'm going through some international news actually. Um, quite a shocking result in the presidential election. Because although President Erdogan fell just short, I think he got just over 49% of the vote, and there's going to be a rerun, he almost certainly will win that. Um, And why is this shocking? Because the pollsters fully expected his rival, Kilic Dargulu, to uh, win. He had a a lead of five points in the polls. Now, again, what's happening is the pollsters have a bias, you see. They have a bias towards who they want to win. And we see that happening many, many uh, different times. Incidentally, I was quite amused that Ross Green of the Scottish... Ross, sorry, Ross Green. Ross Greer of the Scottish government, Scottish Greens, uh, tweeted out that if Erdogan won, then it's a sign of bias or a sign, actually, of uh, being a fraud. You know, it's not just Donald Trump who claims elections are frauds. Let's go to another nation, Thailand, another election, 72 million people. And what they're calling a progressive party seems to have won the election. Um, Thailand has been ruled for nine years by General Prayuth Chanocha, who seized power in a coup in 2014. Um, Mr. Pita of uh this new progressive party has managed to get 309 of the 500 new MPs with all the with alliances from several different parties. However, it's interesting that there is no guarantee that he'll become prime minister or that his party, which is called Move Forward, will make it into government. We'll see because the country's ruling order may block that. Not only must the parliament approve, but 250 military appointed senators must approve. So again, if you're listening from Thailand, please do keep us in touch and let us know your opinion of what's happening. And now we come to the largest nation in the world, India. And just a bit of sad news from there, that in the northeastern state of Manipur, and India, by the way, has a population of 1.4 billion, and last month, over or this month, I think it was, overtook China for the first time. But in this northeastern state, Um, As many as 35 churches have been destroyed in a tribal dispute over access to government recognition and sources, including at least 15 Presbyterian churches. It's very sad to see that happening. Um, It includes uh, Ningthokong Presbyterian Mission Compound in Manipur, which is the oldest mission compound in the region. So sad to see, also sad to see, is the ongoing disruption in Sudan. Sudan, a nation of 46 million. See, all these places have got just massive populations. And a month since the civil war erupted between a military leader and a paramilitary leader, the UN says that 
about a million people have now been displaced and that the capital Khartoum is in a dreadful state. Well, we pray about all these situations. Um, and again, I'd love to hear from anyone in Sudan. I know occasionally we've had people from there. Now, when we're talking about bias, some people might think, ah, oh, you're Scottish, so you'd have an anti-English bias. Well, my dad was English, so no, I don't think so. Or um, sometimes people hear because of some of the things that make, oh, it's because you're anti-American. If, if we hear a critique that involves our own country, we, we, we tend to become very defensive. Well, I, I have to say this to my American friends and listeners. Um, one of the great things you guys have provided to the world, and there's many great things you guys have provided, not string cheese, by the way, but uh, is, is music. And uh, uh, we like music on Quantum, and um, I've been meaning to play this for a while, so this gives me an excuse, just out of appreciation, to show Americans I'm not biased. Here's Glenn Miller. from the ABC here in Australia. Now let's move on to the ABC, the public broadcaster. The Ombudsman looks like it is going to investigate the ABC's coverage of King Charles's coronation after more than a thousand viewers complained about the way it was presented. Here's a quick reminder of what we saw on coronation night. That they were at the heart of the dispossession of the stolen land of our First Nations people and of massacres and attempted genocide in this country and others. That's really important. The Australia with an Indigenous heritage, a British foundation and the migrant richness of the migrant experience is a lovely idea. I don't know where that Australia is. We haven't lived in that Australia. Now, I did watch the coronation, as you know, if you listened to last week's podcast where we focused on that. Um, and although I myself tend towards the Republican side, uh, and again, apologies, I try not to be biased in that, but I had to switch the ABC off because it was so biased. It was completely inappropriate that they hijacked a show which was meant to be about the coronation to make it about their own particular agenda, not least on this issue of The Voice, where every single one of the panellists was for it. And yet in recent polls in Australia, we've been told that it's 50-50 now, or nearly that. And you would think a national broadcaster should avoid bias and allow different points of view. But I have to say, the ABC makes the BBC look completely balanced. It makes Fox News look balanced. To be honest, it makes Pravda look balanced. It's really quite remarkable how biased it is. And I suggested this to a journalist who told me, yeah, we'd never let you on. Um, he wasn't agreeing with that. In, on the Q&A panel, Andrew Neil pointed out the 
former Spectator editor pointed out that uh, the ABC had to learn to allow different perspectives. The ABC does some great stuff. Um, Bluey is one of them. Have a listen to this. This is Bandit, Bluey's dad, stepping on the scales. Oh, man. What? Bluey! Frowning and pinching his guts, Bandit suddenly feels the need to get moving. Why did you say, oh, man? Uh, I just need to do some exercise. Tell me about it. Cue outrage, with viewers saying the scene was disappointing, damaging and triggering in that it was promoting negative associations with bodies. What do you mean? Today, the experts weighed in, so to speak. I think it's completely understandable that parents and experts are concerned about it. I have two girls sat down, and as soon as it started, I was like, should I be stopping this? Because the overall message that we want to get across is that we need to fuel our bodies and move our bodies because it feels good and because it's really good for us, and we need to move this message beyond weight and back to health. Why don't you just do some exercise? The episode did go on to feature bandits sweating it out, but for many, the so-called fat shaming in the intro was the wrong type of motivation. I would love to see the episode recut without that section. We really advise that parents don't talk about their own weight. No one really needs to weigh themselves, particularly not in front of your children. As parents, if we're body checking in the mirror, we're making negative comments about our own bodies, our children are picking up on that. So what do you reckon, Australia? Did Bluey get this one wrong? Oh, man. (laughs) That's incredible. People are complaining of bias because against fat people because Bluey weighs himself on a scale and holds his waist and says he's a bit fat. Look, I have, well, I am embarrassed to admit, but it's true, I am overweight. I I, I need to lose some belly gut, you know. I don't think anyone's saying that. I don't feel fat shame, as they said about Bluey. Mind you, they complained about Bluey that he didn't have dogs of colour. <laughs> Sorry, he's blue. Anyway, uh, let's think of another kind of bias. Bias in sport. Who's this? is the Napoli song who are now the Italian champions. Congratulations. I believe the whole town has gone mad. Of course, you're going to be biased in terms of uh, the team you support, although I think it's incredibly helpful if you're a commentator to give a fair um, commentary on both sides. We used to laugh about the English commentators because, you know, they'd mention 1966 for decades afterwards in almost every England game. But here's I'll, here's a personal bias I admit. Listen to this. Oh, there's many a battle been fought on this field, and that many teams land that Dundee never yield. For although on occasion defeat we must know, we will rise up again and we'll beat every foe. Let the proud Rangers sing of the records they hold. Let's 
at some of the bonnets of Bonnie Dundee. Uh, Dundee won the Scottish Championship and we're going into the Premier League. Uh, I'm not biased at all. I think it's an absolutely wonderful result and thoroughly deserved. But speaking of bias, we'll not say much about this this week, but let me say something about it. We've had another example, again, of unfairness in sport, a bias towards transgender men who say that they're women competing in sport and having an unfair advantage and taking women's places. So Austin Killips has become the first trans- transgender athlete to win a UCI women's stage race at the Tour of the Gila in New Mexico. 27-year-old American won stage five um, by, I think it was a huge amount, by about finished eight seconds ahead and topped the general classification by one minute and 29 seconds. Yep, you can't carry on with this bias, this unfairness. You're killing women's sports. And then bias in politics. But before we do that, here's another little bit of music. Brian Ferry's Let's Stick Together and I'm biased I think that's one of the best songs ever not least because it upholds marriage and the family and is against divorce but you try doing that in the Victorian Liberal Party and for those who 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 are from other countries liberal here means conservative Labour is the meant to be the left-wing party and Liberal's meant to be the conservative party well this is what happened to uh, a woman called Moira Deeming cheers everyone a celebratory toast just hours after ugly and shocking scenes in Melbourne CBD. It was just a, a fun day and it was really great, yeah. Liberal MP Moira Deeming was at the Let Women Speak anti-trans rights rally when more than two dozen neo-Nazis joined the protest, performing the Hitler salute on the steps of Victoria's parliament. Now the opposition leader wants her gone. Moira Deeming has had an association with people who organised the rally, along with her assistants, who have shared platforms with and viewpoints with people who promote Nazi views or sympathies. Mr Pesuso took particular aim at anti-trans rights activist Kelly Jane okay, Keane Minchell, yes. also known as Posey Parker. It's clear that Ms Deeming escorted uh, at least one of the organisers through this very parliament, then attended the rally, stayed at the rally when Nazis attended, and then celebrated with organisers of the rally after the rally and ugly scenes had occurred. Until the Nazis turned up, Mr Pesuto was happy to let this slide. He's very happy to say that a civilised debate is part of a modern Liberal Party, and yet he's 
not prepared to call out anti-trans statements. In a statement, Ms Deeming said none of the organisers were involved with neo-Nazis and she condemns the actions of the masked men in black who were later identified as neo-Nazis. Now, Moira Deeming is a, uh, a lady from Presbyterian Church, actually. She's an MP who stands up for women. And she was accused of being a Nazi. Now, the, the whole argument is ridiculous because they had not an anti-trans rally, as the ABC said, but they had a pro-women rally a women's rights rally, and 20 Nazis gatecrashed it. Why the police let them through, I don't know, although I have my suspicions. And uh, suddenly, everyone who was at that rally was branded a Nazi supporter, which is a ludicrous way of arguing. Um, the liberal leader, John Pizzuto, is a ridiculous character. He just cited in his speech something off Wikipedia without knowing anything about Posey Parker and the fact that she's not associated with Nazis. But you see, bias means you're going to ignore facts. Like the Greens, for example, an extraordinary situation. A person, a trans person called Bianca Haven posted, I have finally won the war on women after the Victorian Greens adopted a new definition of transphobia, one which they tried to get into the state law this week and thankfully failed, although John Pasutu voted for it. You have a thing here, Dan Andrews, the kind of far left, as I would call him anyway, uh, authoritarian premier of Victoria, didn't vote for it. But John Pesuto, the so-called conservative, voted for it. Um, why I mention this is Haven was censured by the Greens for posting repugnant material, including pedophilia and incest. And yet two months later, she was chosen to champion the new transphobia provision. The Greens leader, Samantha Ratnam, said that will ensure our party remains a safe and welcoming space for all. Sure, you've got a spokesperson who posts pedophilia and incest. Wow. Meanwhile, in bias, you see this all the time. The Pentagon doctors claim seven-year-olds can make decisions to be injected with hormones and puberty suppressants and so on. What about bias in religion? I'm going to come back to Australia. An extraordinary story here of a Catholic hospital in the Calvary Hospital in Canberra, which is being taken over by the government. And the Archbishop of Sydney, Anthony Fisher, has said that the they have done this in order to force Calvary Hospital to provide abortions and euthanasia and assisted suicide in the future. They're taking the land, the buildings, the hospital equipment and transferring staff employment across to Canberra Health Service so that they can push their biased anti-life agenda. Wow. I, I, we mentioned the religion and so on. Um, I think let's look at some of the bias that might be in religion. Uh, and, and there can be, of course there can be, there can be religious discrimination and bigotry and so on. Uh, all of us have biased views. Uh, I think if you are a Christian, you want to recognize your bias and you want to go to the word of God for, for what is true. But I was greatly intrigued by this. Uh, I thought this was actually a really encouraging story. There is a man who the Sydney Morning Herald described as New South Wales long-term Christian crusader, Fred Nile. 
who a Christian Democrat MP ended his 40-year state political career in March. He wrote to an MP, an independent MP called March Greenwich, who he is utterly opposed to, who's putting forward utterly, in my view, repugnant laws, and yet had been vilely attacked by Mark Latham with a, uh, a bunch of crude, uh, homophobic quotes or slurs against him. And the City Morning Herald carried this, that uh, Reverend Fred Nile had said to him, had written to him, told him he is love, he doesn't deserve to be subjected to a character assassination. And he said, uh, or his wife said, that God said, love your neighbour as you love yourself. And your neighbour could be a Muslim, a member of the LGBTQ community, or a Christian. Um, people should be heard by debate, not by character assassination. I do think that was a very Christian way to respond to it. And I don't think anyone could accuse Fred Nile of being soft, um, I think our bias as Christians is to love people, and because we love them, we will disagree. And we do disagree. Anyway, let's think about this in terms of bias. Is religion the answer? Now, here's a quote. I've been doing a series on uh, the Q&A program on the ABC here in Australia. I'll be doing a series on it Um on the Ask website. Again, we put up links for that. And this is the one I'm doing this week. So here is a young liberal being asked about religion. For you, what does Easter mean? Because you are a, a practicing Christian as well, I understand. Yes, yeah, so I'm a practicing Christian. <clears throat> and Easter for me is all about hope, forgiveness and love. And I think even if you're not a Christian, even if you're not a believer, um, that's something that we can all look to and something that I think we all need at this point um, in our life and, and, and in this point in history. Um, it really is something that guides me um, and gives me a lot of comfort. And I hope that it gives a lot of other people comfort. I think that the decline of religion um, is not necessarily a good thing for our society. I think that lots of people out there, particularly young people, are really hurting. Um, and we're seeing them struggle with their mental health because they don't have a, a worldview that allows them to have hope um, for the future. And I think that's what faith really can provide you with, a sense of hope, uh, a sense of connection to community. I mean, people aren't joining service organisations like Rotary or Lions. They're not getting involved in community organisations as much as they used to once upon a time. And I think that's not a good thing for society. I think we've seen more fragmentation and less of a sense of mm. connection. So churches and religion can play a really important role in providing a sense of support network, um, particularly to young people. Um, so I'd really encourage everybody to take... Um, now, what's fascinating about that is he's prepared to say, you know, about faith and morals and having a sense of community. But, you know, from a Christian perspective, the Bible speaks far more about false religion. And I think lumping all religions together is just an enormous mistake. I, the uniqueness of Christ is something I don't think I can ever let go of. And the fact that there is no salvation without Christ, I can never let go of. And I think religion without Christ ultimately ends up being harmful, whether it's professedly Christian or other religions. I think salvation is found in Christ. And uh, I, I come across all the time those who've been damaged by religion, including in Christian churches. And we, sometimes we need to be rescued from that. All right, I'm going to try and make sure I review at least one thing per week. So before we go, um, 
Here's a trailer for, uh, part of a trailer anyway, for a film that I went to see. But he's never late. Something must have happened. Mr. Williams, it is you. I was thinking lunch at Fortnum's. Fortnum's? Why not? <laughs> Mr. Williams, I'll tell you my secret nickname for you. Mr. Zombie. Mr. what? Zombies are sort of dead, but not dead. Well, sir, it's time to live a little. That's living with uh, Bill Niley. Honestly, I have no words to describe how utterly brilliant that this film is. Please go and see it. It it asks the most profound questions. I think ultimately it doesn't give an answer. I mean, Bill Nighy. Did I say Nighy? Bill Nighy. He um, plays this uh, civil servant. It's based on uh, Ishiguro's. Uh, well, it's not based on actually. It's it's a remake of Akiro. Kurosawi's 1952 film Ikiru, meaning to live, and the screenwriter Kazuo Ishiguro has rewritten this for, I think, 1950s England. Brilliant. Utterly, utterly brilliant. I found it so moving. Um, please go and see it and you'll see what I mean. Uh, or if you get to see it on Netflix at some point. Just profoundly moving. Uh, ultimately, it doesn't offer much of an answer beyond this world, which is the problem under the sun. It's all meaningless, isn't it? So let me love you and leave you with this song. Again, thanks to all these people who are in touch. And uh, the person who sent me, I've forgotten your name, sorry. You sent me this song, The Christ Hymn by Alana Lewandowski. From stars that pierce the dark like living sparks to secret seeds that open every spring. From spanning galaxies to spinning quarks, everything holds together and coheres, unfolding from the centre whence it came. And now, that hidden heart of things appears. The firstborn of creation takes a name. You know, I've been doing this series, Coffee and Colossians, which you can get every day on YouTube, every weekday on YouTube. And just the, the just who Christ is is just so brilliant. Um, and I think this hymn catches it. I think this hymn catches what's in Colossians chapter one, which is where we've been, what we've been looking at. Um, but listen, thanks for listening. And uh, if you've got, if you're two teenage boys in a car in Brisbane, get in touch. I'll get you that book. Uh, wherever you are, feel free to get in touch. Let us know what's happening in your country, whether Sudan or Indonesia or India or America or Scotland, England, France, Argentina, wherever. Thanks to Peter for producing this. Let me know if you've got anything you want us to look at. Let me know of the, any complaints you've got. And if you want to support this uh, podcast, then please go to the Podbean fundraiser. God bless you and see you next week. Bye. When he had descended thus into our persons and the grave, he broke the limits, opening the grip. He shaped of every sepulchre a womb.
And this is he who takes all that he is and bestows it freely, gives meekly, takes infinite power and bows the knee. Have you ever seen God on the ground? Palms press the floor, sweat dripping on the dirt, the cut and stretch of being human. A sacred shelter of presence, the fullness of He, creator of kingdoms and galaxies, of principalities and every moment crafted through time, the divine placed wholly in human flesh, the infinite squashed down into finite, like fitting 10,000 angels on the top of a pin, like the entire ocean is poured into a pool, like the wine is running over, like it's bursting at the seams, the Christ, he was bursting at the same. Yeah.